Hey guys, this week's Money and Investing Show, we are looking at corporate culture and more importantly, how it can impact on you as an investor. Some common sense steps for you to follow, a little bit of controversy, and a very, very good example of good versus bad, and that comes for investors. Hope you enjoy the show. See you on the other side. Hey guys, welcome to the Money Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mr. Mitchell Laurentiel. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. Absolute pleasure to be here, and I think something that I'm particularly fond of the way that you run your business, not to pump up your own tires. We're going to chat about corporate culture and how it relates to spending your money in terms of an investment. Super important in today's world. Massively so. And, and look, I know we spoke a number of weeks ago about what we call socially responsible investing. I think um, you know, corporate culture is such a massive screen to look at uh, when you're deciding what sort of business you want to put your investment dollars in. And it's not the hardest thing to get your head around. Uh, it's a very important thing to get your head around. And let's face it, we live in a society right now which is so dialed in and tuned on making sure that people are being treated with respect uh, and, and that values are adhered to. So there's never been a more um, appropriate time really than bringing up corporate culture, in particular the way it can affect the investment performance of a company's share price, which means your profitability. If only the uh, the parliamentarians in Canberra were listening to this conversation, they probably need it. And, and that's the reason why it is so topical. So Indeed. get a bit of a breakdown on, on why you think it's so important in, in today's society specifically. Mm. Look, I think uh, as a first point, government departments and culture are an oxymoron. So let's leave that one part to the side. <laughs> um, but from a, from a company perspective, this is massively important. And if I go back, you know, looking early in my career, you know, companies, when they came out with vision and values, it was all the woolly woohoo, let's sit down and have a workshop and work through this kind of stuff. It was very, um, very new to business in the early 90s, uh, that sort of thing. But these days, it's a crucial pillar uh, within an organization uh, to provide stewardship uh, for decision making. And so that people can be, I guess, um, aligned with their own personal views as to that which they invest in. And, and it is extremely important to understand. So, you know, if we look at our own business, for example, and what our uh, values and our mission statement are within what we do here at Australian Investment Education. As a CEO, it probably provides the easiest and most readily available touch point when you're making a decision as to is the decision I'm about to make consistent with what our, visions, uh, our vision and values are as a business. And if it's not, then it's a very, very easy no. Uh, but that's not so uh, translated as we're about to see across uh, a number of companies, particularly some of those that are really struggling in the market right now. And you'll find that the reason they're struggling in the market is probably because they've got that internal conflict between what they're trying to do and what they say that they want to do. And there poses a massive disconnect between some of the numbers versus some of the actions that these CEOs yeah. are presenting to us. Yeah. We love to talk about AMP, not to bash them, but to use as a really good example for our, for our listeners out there. Yeah. So maybe we start by chatting about AMP because they are notorious, especially of late, of having poor corporate culture versus something maybe like Wes Farmers, mm. which you and I both know as great stewardship yeah. and leadership. Okay, so I mean, yeah, I don't want this to be an AMP bashing session. No. It's A, that's too easy to do, uh, and B, you shouldn't kick a dog when it's down. But, um, the, and it the, is a dog. It is a dog of a stock, you know, $1.29 at the moment, $15.89 at one point. So there you go. You've seen about 93% of your investment destroyed by poor culture and a net performance in the boardroom. Um, and this is a company that is going through massive structural change, uh, part of it by necessity. 
necessity to find its relevancy in today's world uh, and secondly in order to find a pathway to survive and it's really struggling in both of those areas the way I see it. So AMP as everyone knows the AMP the trusted uh, company and, and and if you go back to you know the 80s and 90s it was the only national dealer group available here in Australia so enormous brand presence very 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 high levels of trust you know the, the man from the AMP is coming around to talk about our insurance sit at the table have a pot of tea and discuss our financial future was how that business was uh, and yet where it stands now as we'll explore in more detail um, is very different from that and you know a big shout out first of all if you are an advisor for AMP number one you're part of a dying breed you know the number of advisors has been shrinking dramatically in that organization as people are either exiting the industry or they're finding other dealer groups to work with that perhaps have got a more robust and better offer if you will for their clients because you know, as AMP itself is, has concluded it's not able to provide cost-effective advice for people unless they've got about a million bucks plus to invest it's it's brutal and we know that they got cleaned up really badly with the Royal Commission <coughs> fees for no service which really did right. hurt their mm. business yeah. we chat and you mentioned before yeah. about the disconnect between the CEO and, and making a decision based on the leadership and the yeah. stewardship Francesco De Ferrari I believe mm -hmm. is his name yes. we all know his kind of pay packet for example yet we yeah. can also look at the profit that AMP yeah. is turning. Look, it, 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 again, it's, a, it's an easy shot and it's not a cheap shot by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, Francesco de Ferrari joined the revolving door of executives that have been at AMP. He joined in 2018, which was immediately after the Royal Commission with a view to being able to um, implement some level of change management uh, and, bring, around, and, right? and, and bring a new culture into the organization. And, uh, and that was a job which is a, a mammoth job. And I'm not going to say beyond him, but it was a mammoth job for anybody stepping into those shoes because you've got an organization that literally has been pilloried, and rightly so, during the Banking Royal Commission. Um, you know, fee for no service, it was synonymous for this. So this is a company that people used to trust, yet during the Royal Commission, it's emerged that for years, they've knowingly, not accidentally, knowingly been charging their customers a fee for nothing. Criminal. No service, fee for no service. That's that's the first instance. And the second thing in terms of the Royal Commission, what it unearthed is that repeatedly, and this isn't me on a soapbox, you can Google all of this stuff just in case anyone's thinking there's a libel suit coming, um, you know, that they were they deliberately misled the regulator on numerous occasions. Multiple times they sat down with ASIC, the regulator, and blatantly lied and provided a mistruth as to what was going on. So when you think about the money game. And I always, you know, when people talk to me, you know, we look after people's money and we also help them look after it in a better way. And I always think that that, that three-pronged model, you know, trust, care, and responsibility are three indelible uh, markers that you have to bring to the table because money is all about trust. It's extremely important. So when you find out you're dealing with an organization that not only knowingly charged you fees that you shouldn't have had to have paid, not just once, but on multiple occasions for years, and then lied to the regulator about doing it, you're starting to get an idea of where the organizational culture was sitting as a starting point. Now, AMP is not on its own. The rest of the banks have been through this as well. But what I would say for the vast majority of the banks, the big four particularly, and in fact, big five if we include Bank of Queensland now, is that they've gone through and done a, a pretty damn good job of cleaning up house. Yeah, and, 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 and that's something that's really important to note. Whereas AMP has kind of found itself caught in this twilight zone of vortex where it's sinking and it can't seem to get out of the sinking funk that it's found itself in. So Francesco de Ferrari takes over, big expectations, big job. And to- Big pay packet too. It is, I mean, if you take 2019, so AMP lost two and a half billion dollars 
in 2019. And I think Francesco De Ferrari's pay packet was something in the order of $13.7 million, even though the business had lost $2.5 billion. And that includes things like stock and yeah. cash. A, and a, a combination everything. of things, not just cash, but a, a right. number of incentives and things like that. But the company, the bottom line, the investors, are down $2.5 billion in terms of profit, and the share price has been hemorrhaging. You know, it's down, what is it, down... Uh, it's something like 17% this year to date already. Okay. Now, if you compare that to a different type of business, and as most people that follow the stuff we do in our ecosystem, West Farm is, in my opinion, one of the best-run businesses um, in, in, in Australia. Uh, and when Rob Scott took over from Richard Goider, and Richard Goider had been at the helm for an awful long time and created an amazing business, Bunnings, Coles, amongst others, uh, within there, it wasn't a poison chalice that you were handed over because someone had resigned. There was an orderly handover and change there. Now, for that comparable period, just to give you an idea, so remember, AMP lost $2.5 billion in 2019, paid their CEO $13.6 billion in remuneration, total remuneration. West Farmers, by comparison, made a profit of $5.5 billion for the year, and it paid its CEO $6.5 million. So it's paying it, your CEO half, yet half. they're turning a pretty large profit. I think their profit quadrupled that year, too, yeah. from previous years. Okay. But you've got that, that, that rock-solid platform built by Richard Goyder over the many, many years he had there at the helm. And when you've got a business that's very stable like that, I'm not going to say it's an easy job for a CEO to come in and take over. It definitely isn't. There's no easy job as a CEO in any business, let alone an ASX top 20 company. But nonetheless, the platform, the values, the culture, and, and the direction of the train was already set. AMP, totally different. Now, in, in, in all fairness, DeFrari's come in and he's taken over a, an absolute dog's breakfast of a business. And one of the first senior appointees was the new head of AMP Capital, one of the most profitable and biggest parts of the business. Yet that particular appointee had been uh, found to be uh, involved in a very, very aggressive form of sexual harassment to one of the senior managers within the business. That matter had actually been settled um, uh, uh, in court. They reached a settlement. The actual victim of that, by the way, didn't have to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which is very unusual, and it's actually a really interesting read if you want to read through that story. So what do AMP do? Okay, let's promote this guy to be CEO of AMP Capital. And despite this is, his despite, case being public air dirty laundry. And, and you wonder in today's world, particularly with you know, not the amount of publicity, but the spotlight right now that's shone on sexual harassment across the board, whether that's in parliament or whether it's in business or whether it's in the footy club or anywhere else for that matter, that this is such a hot topic. And yet as a CEO, you can be so blinkered to the conduct of someone and just go, yeah, we'll promote them anyway. And that kind of disconnect shows that you're just so out of touch with the culture that we're in as a society and a culture you're in as an organization. And you can imagine the message that that sends through to the troops within your business that, oh yeah, we just turn a bit of a blind eye to that. Yeah, don't worry about it, locker room chat. Let's just keep the person. It, it, it's incredible. And that then sort of sets you up for understanding a little bit more about where the culture is so awry, not just in terms of the conduct of people, but where the direction of the company is really going. It kind of is floundering for a reason because there's no solid purpose. And it, it, it proves to be very much so important as an investor kid to consider all of those points too, because if you're going to be putting your hard-earned cash into a business mm. that maybe doesn't have the best corporate culture, you're almost writing yourself to script yeah. of failure right from the get-go. So we, we, we speak about the litmus test of relevancy, for yeah. example. We've also spoken about socially responsible investing. AB, how do you combine all of those those teaching and, the, and those concepts together to actually form a view on investing mm. with the idea of corporate culture being the backbone of it. Look, 
news flow is so freely available you can do a google and look at news and very quickly within a couple of scrolls get a bit of a gauge if you will on whether what you're reading about the company is in a positive tone or whether it's in a negative tone now AMP is at a crossroads as a business where it's looking to, it actually had a $6 billion cash offer with Aris uh, to, to effectively acquire the business. And that stalled. They got left at the altar, as the Financial Review described it, um, because they couldn't get the job done. And I guess from Aris's point of view, they're kind of, yeah, I don't know if we really want to commit to this. Um, and, and, and the kind of turbulence that you're seeing there, and there's been a revolving door in the boardroom. There's been you know, two chairmen, two CEOs over the past four years, which is a very, very high level, and plus other executives as well. And then, and, and, and again, here's another one. So just a number of weeks ago, like three weeks ago, AMP have come out and they've said, we're going to introduce retention payments to our senior executive team because we want to keep them. Now, if you're paying someone to stay, are they really worth keeping? Well, it's, a, it's an interesting observation, isn't it? Because at a leadership level within a company, as I say, whether it's an ASX top 30 company or whether you're a small business or you know, a very, very small business, you should be there because you want to be there. And when someone's got to cut you a check in order to buy your loyalty, you're not there for the right reasons. It's like a football team paying their star player a heap of money to keep him there. He's not interested in playing anymore. He's off contract. He wants to go somewhere else. He's checked out, but we'll offer you more money and get another season out of you. You're not going to get the best performance out of that player. And you're most certainly not going to get the best performance out of your executive team. So again, it's like if we throw some money at this, it'll fix it. And it has the absolute opposite. It's a repulse, not something that's going to attract the right people there. And in fact, you know, three weeks later, we see the CEO has resigned and the timing couldn't be any worse. You've got the RS deal on the table. Also, AMP Capital, I think they're property diversified fund. They're trying to do a deal at the moment, a JV or an acquisition with Dexas uh, in the office space, in the investment property space. And now they don't have a CEO. So whatever terms that they were going to get in any kind of deal, if you were the negotiating team on the other side, you're just going to be rubbing your hand and sharpening the knife and saying, well, how much more meat can we cut off this for free? Because there's no stability on the other side. Who are you dealing with? CEO, former CEO, new CEO, second in command, third in charge, CFO. There's no structure and stability. And what this reflects, and this is the tragedy, Mitch, is a further denigration of value for all those Australian shareholders. Remember, AMP is the most widely held share by retail investors in Australia. And here's more money going out of their pocket while the rudderless ship is floating around trying to come to terms with what it's going to look like in the future. And you know, and it's a, and, and it comes down to the very simple thing, the culture, the vision and values, and the strategic direction the business is in are gone. You know, is it is it a provider of platforms? Is it a dealer group? Does it provide a house for advisors? Is it a bank? or is it an asset manager? And it does all of those different things within its business, but it's very, very unclear as to what it is. And even if you look at its, 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 its three core values, and I know we're diving deep on this, and I'll say it's, it's, it, these are the sorts of things you can do on any company if you invest in it's them. It's a good example. Um, you know, um, think client first. Okay, let's, let's just, <laughs> like the, the fact that you need to spell that out tells you that your culture is wrong. Listen to Fazia rule number one, right? Mm -hmm. Fazia for one, but if you can, if you haven't gone through the Fazia exams, I know a lot of our team in our financial planning business have. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Um, if, if you if you think about it, if you if you read say a book like Delivering Happiness by Tony Hesche, Tony sadly died last year. Amazing, amazing person, um, the CEO of Zappos. That is culture, and you don't need a slogan there saying client first because it's already in the DNA of the business. It's a given 
that think client first. But I guess if you've been charging a fee for no service for years, you probably yeah, need to try and adjust things up, a little bit. Yeah. Okay, second on there is to be entrepreneurial. You've got an organization that, that, that be entrepreneurial where because it's being pulled in all of these different directions and it's been up so many dry gullies with attempted trade sales, mergers. Um, you know, we're gonna go through a $1 billion restructuring corporate profile change. Well, there's been no tangible benefit to investors of that. So being entrepreneurial, I'm not so sure on that. Uh, and uh, take action and be accountable. Um, take action, appoint someone that settled a sexual harassment case and appoint them as CEO of one of your biggest parts of your business. Not really and the kind be of accountable action. and pay your six billion to the Royal Commission. Yeah, there you go. And yeah, you know, <laughs> so so it's 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 a, it's a dog's breakfast over there. And again, this culture thing, it's it, it's not it's just not the buzzword. If you look at great businesses, we talked about West Farmers. Let's talk about another Western Australian company, and that's Fortescue, where culture above all else. I mean, their goal is really simple. You know, they, they, they want to be, you know, one of the most profitable forms of uh, miners in the country, but before that, they want to be the safest. Uh, and that's their value, is that we want to be the safest miner that also happens to be one of the most profitable. There are a couple of other bits and pieces within there as well. But culture and values are so important. You even saw uh, Elizabeth Gaines, the CEO. A lot of people think Andrew Forrest is the CEO of Fortescue. No, he's the chairman executive chairman, he's not the CEO anymore. Elizabeth Gaines is the CEO and they actually unloaded two of their very, very senior executives, like CEOs of big parts of the business, because the culture that those two individuals were creating weren't seeing as being in line with what Fortescue's culture was. Now that was a huge move in markets insofar as a lot of people looked at that, if they follow that stock, and go, wow, you know, you're sure you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here? And they were resolute. It's not, our culture is the most important thing here because without that, we've got nothing. And there's chalk and cheese. You know, what do they say? Talk is cheap. Money buys the whiskey. Money buys the whiskey. And actions always speak louder than words. And when you see that kind of action coming out of a CEO like Elizabeth Gaines, or you see the remuneration of Rob Scott compared to um, you know, uh, uh, DeFari uh, based on a, you know, a massive difference in performance, that tells you everything about culture. So you know, I've probably gone off on a bit of a rant here, but the notion of all of these different things, there are microscopic specs in here, which you can put into a checklist, do a Google search, read the news. Is it more positive or is it more negative about the business that you're talking about investing in? And if it's more positive, well, you know that generally speaking, there's a nice warm, um, there's warm sentiment towards it, which it means it's not gonna have a headwind to drive into from an investment perspective. And number two, you're aligning yourself with that. As a shareholder, you're aligning yourself with that. Yeah, and we talked about socially responsible investing in the past. And you know, if you're putting your money into something that doesn't match your values, that's going to cause you stress. If you're someone that wants to invest in a company that has good, robust culture, you know, in the case of Fortescue, for example, you're one of the largest indigenous employees in Australia. There are many, many other things. We talk about Andrew Forrest and what he's done too. Yeah, the the move into um, you know green hydrogen and becoming a, a green uh, carbon emission, a, a net zero business, sure. and, and all of these different things is Vanguard at. But it comes down to one simple thing, and that is values and, and, and at the most microscopic level, if you're running your own business or you're running your own race yourself from a personal development perspective, the values have got to stack up. And I remember the biggest pivotal movement for us as a business were when we stopped hiring based on qualifications and we started hiring based on values and personality because you can teach anybody anything, but if their values are wrong, you'll never get the good outcome that you want. It'll transpire and it'll push through in terms of poor service or disinterest 
or a lack of commitment. You get someone that's got the right value chain, then you're going to have a very, a very positive environment. And this is good advice for anyone that's setting up their own business and they're recruiting. Hire on values and personality. Forget about the qualifications. No, okay, if you're going to be a pharmacist or someone like that, you're going to want to have some level of qualification. But by and large, you've got to have someone that's got their values stacked up. It makes total sense because a rising tide lives all ships. And 100%. if anyone's on the same wavelength, everyone's trying to achieve that common mm. goal. It's always going to reflect positively yep. on all metrics. And mm. as we come to the end of the broadcast here, AB, there's obviously been a lot of pieces to the puzzle to put in here. <laughs> it is easy to digest in the way in the way which you, you present it. So thank you for that. But I guess as a trader, as an investor, mm. what are your three key points that you're looking for? on the back of, of corporate culture and how to actually use it to make some dollars? Corporate culture, it has to have a positive magnetic effect, I suppose would be the easiest way of describing it. And what I mean by that, if the news flow, the general feeling sentiment towards that business are positive, you can feel comfortable putting your money in, but it's not just you. Remember, a market isn't just you, irrespective of the size that you trade. It's made up of people just like you. You know, we're all the same, but we're all different, right? And if the news flow is generally positive and the sentiment is positive, that is going to draw more people in, which will push prices and valuations up. That's how you're going to make money to the upside on a stock. It's as simple as that. So culture, it's not just that little page that goes in the annual report going, here are our vision and values done in a nice <laughs> soft sans serif font. It actually carries significant weight, but it only, it only carries weight if those visions and values are genuine and they're actually portrayed in the actions and the actual day-to-day -day operation and the decision-making framework within that business. And if I go back to where we kind of started on this, if I look at what we operate within, um, you know, and it's effectively helping people create tomorrow's wealth today, everything we do can go back to that single checkpoint. So if you've got to make a decision on whether you're launching a new course, opening a new office, adding more staff, uh, putting on another product and service, taking away an old product and service, whatever it may be, the first check and balance is, how does that sit relative to my vision and values over here? And if it's consistent with it, then it's the right decision. And if it's questionable, then you've got to go back to the drawing board as a leader and go, okay, this isn't right because it clashes with our values over here. What can we do to adjust this? Because you don't change your values. You should never have to compromise your values. Okay, they are what they are. They're your DNA. Now you've got to adapt in the business environment, but that core value proposition should be, you know, we operate with integrity. We are, a, you know, in the case of Fortescue, we want to be the safest miner. We want to be the most profitable. It's very clear what it is. They're not going to change every five minutes. They're going to be laid in stone for years. Any decision should be run against that as a checkpoint. And, 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 and so if you're running a business, that's number one, um, to, to check it against. If you're an investor, look and see if the business is being consistent there. Because if they're being inconsistent there, it's a rudderless ship. AMP is a classic example. And I have to feel for investors in that business. Uh, why? Because all they've done is do the right thing. They've bought, held for the long term, based on their trusted advisor, and what they've been sold is a lemon. Because the way that that business has been run, day to day, and over the last 25 years, as we've seen a 90 plus percent fall in its share price, is nothing to do with the vision and values that the company is talking about. Now, that might be where they want to get to, but you can only get to somewhere when you acknowledge your past. And if your past is not what it should be, you get to put a line in it, and you got to do something real different. And maybe, and I called this probably two years ago, the only out for AMP is a sale to private equity, a rebrand, a big injection of cash, a big injection of new management, and a total turnaround play where the business is either broken up into smaller parts and, and sold off, or is restructured in a way that's consistent because its current model is just simply not consistent with the delivery of financial service products here in Australia. And sometimes breaking up a business 
painful as it is, and it almost sounds like it's a resignation and we're falling on our sword, can be the best thing you can do. For who? For the shareholders. And as a board of directors running a business, your overall obligation, always your fiduciary duty, to put it into legal terms, is to look after the best interest of your shareholders. And if we look at Crown as an example of that, maybe that will be a business that gets broken into smaller parts in order to survive. And maybe that's just what needs to happen within AMP. Now, if you look at the culture of Crown, it's been far from good. If you look at the culture within AMP, it's been far from good. And sometimes the answer is, let's just break this bad boy up, control out the leak, and start from the beginning and build something we can be proud of. And more importantly, that does the right thing by our shareholders because a 93% depletion in value for shareholders that have held something for 25 years is insulting. Certainly comes at no surprise. AB, great advice in there and some great pieces of information. Hope a lot of the shareholders out there really got some, <laughs> some valuable tips here. I'll expect some hate mail from uh, from people uh, at we AMP, love hate but mail. at the end of the day, the truth hurts. And there's nothing I've said that it may be opinion, but it's nothing I've said that's not factual either. And yeah, you know, the truth does hurt sometimes. But yeah, that's the reality. And I know there are a lot of AMP advisors out there bleeding because they haven't had the support uh, of the mothership, so to speak. And that's why they're jumping ship and moving around. We're in the financial planning space. We see it all the time. Advisors are leaving the industry en masse because they don't have uh, that culture, they don't have that infrastructure, they don't have that organizational support, which means as someone on the front line, looking someone in the eyeball saying, we'll look after you, is a hollow statement. And that's an awful place to be. So I feel for those advisors that are in that place. And uh, if you're looking for a job, give us a shout. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, AB, much pleasure. Always a pleasure, thanks Mitch. There you have it guys, make sure you give us a review and a rating. We'll see you on next week's show.